Genesis chapter number six. Tonight we'll look at one of my favorite characters, the character of Jonah of Noah. If you find Jonah in Genesis, let me know. But uh, I think it's going to be Noah that we look at tonight. Genesis chapter. It's been a long day. Let me tell you that a long day, but a good day. Genesis chapter six. Let's go ahead and just pick up in verse number one, and then we'll read a few verses. We'll pray and let you be seated. The Bible says that it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. The Bible says in verse number three, and the Lord says, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Verse number five is very important. The Bible says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The Lord says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse number eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless it tonight. I pray we glean from it all that you'd have us to have Lord, I pray our hearts would be soft now, allow the seed to take root, and that we'd leave here with exactly what you've sent for us to have. And we'll give you the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Noah in our series of A Choice Servant. And Noah's example of service is really of a particular importance to us tonight because we see the conditions that Noah was serving in. You know, oftentimes in Scripture, we we read about people that became heroes, people that God chose and that God used, and we we think, well, if I lived back then and if times were like they are now, they wouldn't be able to do that, and they would not be the hero that they are. But we notice that the setting of the world, the condition of the world that Noah is ministering in is uh, one that we can somewhat relate to today. I don't know if we are as in the days of Noah. We can definitely tell that Noah was called and chosen of God to serve in very inhospitable circumstances. Now, that's encouraging to me to realize, number one, that God still calls people in spite of the circumstances. We need to notice that tonight, that God is still looking and God is still calling people in spite of the circumstances of the world that we live in. Because sometimes I do think we think it's too much of a mess that God's not worried about it and so God's not calling people. No, we see that here at the very end, at the very end, right before God wipes everything out, God is still calling people to go intervene on behalf of those that do not know. Now, understand this. I don't know if our world is a carbon copy of where Noah's world was, but our world's pretty bad. I mean, right has become wrong, and wrong has become right, and what is up is down, and everything is just turned inside out, and the world that we live in seems very similar to the one that Noah lives in. Look at verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Doesn't it seem like the world we live in, that they are just continually looking for something else to defy God with? 
I mean, used to, I mean, you look at, I forget the statistic and the, the list, but you look at the list of things that went on, the problems that occurred in, in, in schools, in high schools back in the 1950s and 60s, and it was smoking behind the building or, or maybe by chance someone sneaking their dad's fifth of liquor in the car or the vehicle, something like that. But now it is gotten so much exponentially worse. I mean, we have murders and we have shootings. We have just sin growing exponentially. Why? Because the world is slowly getting to the place where Noah's world was. But the encouragement is here tonight is to realize that God was calling people right up until the end. And so I believe that God is still calling people today in spite of the world, in spite of the circumstances. Not only is God calling people, but we have a responsibility to step up and serve. I believe it was John R. Rice was talking about the call of God. He says, I can't tell you as much as about the call of God except for I just enlisted. You know, sometimes we sit around and we're just waiting to be drafted by God. When Listen, when you got saved, you got drafted. You got enlisted. We all have a responsibility and a job to do in spite of the circumstances of the world. What's interesting is you look at verse number five. The Bible says God saw. It's very important to notice those words. That God saw. That means God was paying attention. Isn't it good that God is paying attention? God's looking down from heaven. He knows how bad things are, and he knows how rough it's getting. God was paying attention, but verse 5 says God saw, but then look at verse number 8. The Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we notice these, these eyes. God's looking, and God is seeking, and what God is looking for is servants. God's looking for people. He sees the wickedness that is there. The Bible says God saw it. He understood the lay of the land. And then God goes, looks for someone to step up that he can use. And the Bible says that he chose Noah. Now, folks, I believe tonight, and this series is all about, is understanding that whether or not God chooses us is going to be a direct result of whether or not we choose him. Okay, we sit around sometimes and we're waiting on God to use us to do something. But the problem is we've yet to step up and say, you know what? I choose and make the choices that make me more enabled to be used by God. Today I was over at the college preaching to the, the I want to say young people over there. I could not believe it. As I was preparing to preach, I was thinking about when was I in college? It was 20 years ago. I felt like me and those young people, they were like so close. And I realized we're, we're, we're generations apart. I'm the old guy that's losing his hair. You know, they, they're probably talking about me after I, after I left there. But it's a blessing to see young people at this college, and they're trying to better themselves that they might become more useful. Today I met nurses in training. I met dental hygienists in training. I met English majors in training. What are they trying to do? They're bettering themselves. By the way, they're choosing that. They're choosing to better themselves so that they might be more useful. That's the same way with God. The choices that we make as a child of God is going to make us more useful to God. So tonight, we are going to look at the choices of Noah, if we could. If I'm mistaken, call him Jonah. Just smile, and we'll skip right over it, okay? Sometimes, at the end of a long day, uh, words kind of get crossed. So tonight, let's look at the choices of Noah. I believe the reason that God chose Noah to do what Noah did, and boy, how sometimes we get jealous of people like that, but I believe it's a direct result of the choices that Noah made. And if you've ever been to the ark up there in Kentucky, oh my goodness, how magnificent it is. When you look at this magnificent ship that is there, and I was telling Brother Stone King about it today, uh, some folks we've talked about maybe going up there, a church group going up there and seeing that. And I was telling him, my wife and I stood at the, the, the ship, the front of the ship, 
Is that called the bow? Is that right? Navy people, bow? Okay. Sort of the bow of a ship. And my wife and I just cried. I know that sounds weird, but we just cried to realize that there was a man, a real man, who had enough faith to trust God to build something so magnificent. And boy, God knew what he was doing when he chose Noah. He had the right man for the job. Now, folks, you and I could be the right man or woman for the job, but we've got to make the choices that help God to choose us. So they're spelled out for us very simply in verse number 9. Let's look down if we could. The Bible says in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That means God paid attention. God noticed him. Now, why did God notice Noah? Verse number 9 says these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Noah was a just man. I love it when an outline just naturally flows in Scripture and you can see it. And this one's pretty clear. But don't jump ahead, okay? Let's pay attention to what is there. When I first got to the word just, I says, okay, kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Okay, God, you want us to preach on being just, being right, and being righteous. I mean, that was just kind of the knee-jerk thing. But the more we begin to study it, God says there's something deeper there you need to see. So begin kind of pulling this apart, and the interesting thing you need to notice is that that Noah, I almost said Jonah, Noah was just, but listen close, look at the context. Noah was a just man, he was right, he was righteous, he was upright before God in the midst of a very perverse world. I mean, look at the context of this. I mean, everybody knows good people, but can you imagine being Noah in the setting of the world that he was in? So here's what I want you to notice tonight. We have Noah over here. He's just, he's righteous, he's upright before God. And then we have a world that verse number five says is wicked. The Bible says that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So notice, if you will, Noah's lifestyle and the choices that Noah made and how he, how he lived his life and built his home, pay close attention. Noah's choices separated him from the world. Can we see that tonight? I mean, it's very simple. That the way that Noah lived his life and the choices that he made concerning his lifestyle and his home, Noah's choices separated him from the world. I mean, you can see the contrast in verse 5 and verse number 9. So number 1. I believe Noah chose to be separate. Noah chose to be separate. Now, folks, that word's scary sometimes, and I understand it. Folks have used, down through the ages, they've used the separation club to beat people to death. I'm not going to do that for you tonight. I want to show you how, why Noah's separation enabled him to be used of God. So we notice in verse number 9, the Bible says he was just means he was justified, he was upright, he was righteous before God. And by the way, this is God's testimony of Noah. This is not Noah writing down what everybody wants to know about him. I remember when I was in college, I got inducted to one of those who's who things. And they sell you this book. I think it's a racket is what it really is. They just nominate you for that, and they put you who's who, all American high school or college students and all of that. And, and so you get to write out what they put in the book. Oh, my goodness. You would think you're looking at the president of the United States after I got finished with that thing. I got the book somewhere. It's floating around. At the time, my mom and dad were just starting the camp over in Jeff Davis County. And my dad, you have to form a corporation for all of that. And you don't know this, okay? This is bonus for you. Not only am I your pastor, but I am vice president of Cherith Ministries. 
Amen. Whoa, I appreciate the whoa that somebody threw in there. Man, I, look, I dubbed it up really good. It sounded really good. And then you open that big old book <coughs> that I've only opened once, I think. You open it up, and you read about that. Man, sounds good. Yeah, because I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it, okay? Now, granted, I'm not going to write bad stuff about myself. If I'm going to be put in a book, it's going to sound good, okay? I'm not going to be totally honest and tell them the bad parts about me, okay? But it sounded good because I wrote it. Noah's testimony is the testimony that God had of Noah. And God says, I want you to look at my servant Noah. And the reason that God used Noah is because he was just, Noah had chosen to be separate. Now, can I tell you, it's no accident that when you read verse 5 and you see the world, and you read verse 9 and you see Noah, it's no accident they did not fit in. It's no accident. Can I tell you something tonight? Listen, one of the most bedrock principles of service to God is understanding that in order to be in the service of God, separation is mandatory. It's mandatory. Now look, I'm not going to club you over the head with it tonight. I'm really not. I'm just showing you this is what thus saith the Lord. Noah would have been chosen by God had Noah been the people in verse number 5. And when God got to looking for a servant, he says, you know what? There's the wicked world. Man, I can't use those guys. Look at this guy over here. This guy over here has separated himself and his family. One of the most (coughs) fundamental misunderstandings oftentimes is that we can serve God without separation. You can't. You can't. There is no service to God without separation from the world. You can't do it. Now, folks, listen. If we would just be honest tonight, let's not have a reflex reaction to the separation world. If we would just be honest tonight, we will see that so often through Scripture that to be separated for service was automatic in being separated from the world. We cannot, look, we cannot be of the world and help the world over here. Noah could, listen, Noah couldn't do what he was called to do if he was amongst them. Noah had to be away from them. Now, you know where I'm going with this? Second Timothy chapter 2, turn there real quick. And let's just read this together. I want you to see this tonight. Second Timothy chapter number 2. Do you ever lose books in the Bible? I do too. Amen. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I couldn't find Micah today to save my life. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, I want you to watch this, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look down, if you will. Very familiar verse. Verse number 21. Or verse 20. Look at verse 20. But in a great house, there are, not, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. What is that? That's different uses. But verse 21. Watch close. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So notice the end of verse number 21, the Bible says prepared unto every good work. That's where we all want to be. Every child of God should long to the place where they are prepared for the good work of what God's going to call us to do. So how do we get to the end of verse 21? Well, the Bible says it begins with a purging himself. A purging himself. That means a cleaning out. That means getting away from what is defiling us. The Bible says we want to be prepared for a good work. There's got to first be a purging. Look, when I go to the, the sink, there's two sides to the sink. We have the dirty side and the clean side to the sink. I like to get dishes out of the clean side. I know that's weird, but I do. 
I like the ones who've been purged already. I want to use the utensil that's been cleaned up, okay? It may not be the prettiest utensil. It may not be. Boy, we've got some, some uh, forks at our house that we got not long after we got married, and I've used them for screwdrivers, and I've used them for roach killers, and you name it. I've just about everything with them, not really roach killers. Look at my wife. No, no, no. That may have been an exaggeration, okay? I've played with them, you know. I've tried to pry things open with forks. They don't look good. But let me tell you something. If they're clean, I'll use them. Look, some of you, we, we might be bent up forks tonight, all right? We may not be the best looking fork in the world, but God can use us if we're clean. The Bible says that we're prepared for every good work, but first there's a purging. And watch this. I, I just love the Bible. It's like the same person wrote Timothy that did, you know, Genesis. It says, if a man therefore purge himself, do you know what that is? That's a choice. If a man purge himself, that means a man is over here, we're living in the world, we think we're having fun, but man, we're a Christian, we want to be used of God. The Bible says there's got to be a purging. So, okay, God, purge me, God, just purge me. And God says, I want you to get out of there first. Purge yourself. You know, we can't go and sit at the bar and pray that God remove temptation. No, we need to walk out of the bar. All right, there's, there's a, some kind of a personal responsibility. I know, look, I know in the world today, personal responsibility is out the window. It's everybody else's fault for the way that I am, but when it comes to God, God sees things the way they are. And we want to be used of God. We've got to be personally responsible for ourselves and say, you know what? If I want to get to the end of verse 21, prepared unto every good work, I must purge myself. That is a purposeful decision, a choice to separate from what is defiling me. Look at the middle of verse 21. He shall be. I love the promises in the word of God. He shall be a vessel unto honor. And notice the next word in verse number 21. The Bible says sanctified. Sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart. Set apart. That means you've gone from here you're sanctified, you've been set apart over here, now you are just, and now the eyes of the Lord see you, and the Lord says, okay, I've got a problem, I'm looking for somebody to use, I choose him, because he chose to be separate. Now, folks, is that not what it says? I'm trying to, I'm trying to preach it with the right spirit and the right heart, but look, there is no service without separation. The word sanctified means set apart, and I love this, it means dedicated, Sanctified means set apart and dedicated. It's like this time of the year starts coming up. Am I tearing it up again, guys? I'm telling you, they can't make one of these things that I can't tear up. They should hire me for quality control because uh, I can sure tear them up. But um, this time of the year, my wife does a lot of baking and special pies and all of this Thanksgiving stuff. I mean, pumpkin spice, everything, amen? And uh, I'm glad it only comes around once a year, you know, because after a while, you'd be burned out on pumpkin spice. But the month of November is a really good month. And I'll go to the refrigerator, and there's all of these wonderful ingredients. Heavy whipping cream. Oh, my goodness. You ever put that in your coffee? And if you shake it up long enough, it makes whipped cream. You keep shaking it, put a little salt in it, it makes butter. I mean, I think heavy whipping cream was manna. I really do. It's so versatile, you can do everything with it. That's, and I'll go to the refrigerator and I'll open it up and there is heavy whipping cream. And it's like my wife can see me from the back of the house. I'll be reaching, ah! I'll say, what? Man, I'm fixing, to, I'm fixing to put that in my coffee. Oh, it is so wonderful. Here's what she says. That's from my pies. That's from my pies. 
I don't know why we don't just buy it throughout the rest of the year, but you know, it's just like that time of the year we buy it's because it'll make you fat. That's why you don't eat that stuff, okay? Here's what she says that's for my pies. Here's what she's saying it's set apart, that's dedicated. You can't use that, okay? That is for a purpose. It's going to go into some kind of a pie she's going to make. It's set aside and been dedicated. That's the way we are when we purge ourselves. We choose to separate. That's what purging is. When you purge yourself, you are, are choosing to separate yourself, and now you're getting yourself dedicated to be used by Almighty God. But you've got to choose to be separate. We see this in the life of Daniel. We must hurry. The life of Daniel... I think we could all agree that God used Daniel, that God chose Daniel, and boy, God accomplished a lot through Daniel. But how did Daniel become Daniel, okay? So I'm using his illustration. It means I can't preach on him next Wednesday night, okay? So we kind of scratch that off the list. Why did God use Daniel? Well, the Bible says that when Daniel was presented with an opportunity to do what everybody else was doing, Drink the king's wine and eat the king's meat. Daniel knew better than that. And Daniel says, no, I can't. And with a right spirit, by the way, Daniel says, no, can't do that. He says, matter of fact, would you let me, listen, would you let me do my own thing over here and at the end of a given amount of time, see which one worked out better? Brother Breland preached on it the other night. The Bible says that they found Daniel and his men 10 times better. Why? Because Daniel says, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. And he proved through his life that being separate is how God uses you. Now, folks, what could we prove tonight if we would just choose to be separate? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, number four, verse number 14. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. Now, folks, look, separation is not a whipping post. It's not a club that we're here to beat you over the head with. By no means. Separation is for service. It's for service. You say, look, I'm, I'm being separate so I can be better than somebody. No, that's what the Pharisees did. They used their separation as, hey, look at me. No, no, no. Our separation has nothing to do with self. Can we please understand that tonight? We're not separate so you can say, look at me and look who I am and look where I went to college and look who my daddy is and look what I can do that you can't do. No. Separation is so that God can use us. That's all that it's about. Be careful in using your separation for self. No, that's for the glory of God. God used Noah because Noah was separate. So how do you know he was separate? Because in the midst of what verse 5 says is a wicked world, the Bible says he was just. Noah had separated himself from that. Why? Noah wanted to be used by God. I'll give you this real quick. I know it's not exciting thinking about being an outcast from the world. Okay, that's not exciting. I hate not getting picked on ball teams. They're talking about having a staff soccer game out here one day. I'm scared to death. Why? Because I'm afraid I wouldn't get picked. And I might just get in the flesh in the pulpit the next service if I didn't get picked to be on the soccer team. Nobody gets to be, likes to be left out. Nobody wants to be an outcast of the world. Nobody wants to, to, not, to not fit in. Everybody wants to be a part of the group. But can I tell you something? You're going to be an outcast of one or two things. You're going to be an outcast of the world or you're going to be an outcast of God. Now, you say God's not going to throw people away. Well, look, you're saved, you're sealed, you're going to heaven, you can't lose that. But, you know, the Bible does talk about the salt that loses its savor. What does the Bible say the salt that loses its savor? The Bible says it's cast out and trodden under the feet of men. Do you know how salt loses its savor? By the way, the Bible says that we're salt. Salt has a use. It is useful to God, and God wants to use us, but we're not useful if we lose our savor. Do you know how salt loses its savor? 
Two things, impurities and exposure to the elements. Impurity and exposure to the elements. The Bible says it's no good. It's lost its power. It's lost its usefulness. So I can't use it. So I cast it out. The the steps of the temple would get slippery, very slick. And so to get traction, they would take that salt that lost its savor, and they would cast it up on the steps of of the temple, and that gave people traction. But you see, it lost its power, and it was outcast. Now look, you can choose tonight to be an outcast of the world as Noah was and be used of God or be an outcast of God and be used by the world. There's a lot of Christians tonight being used by the world. It's a horrible example of what a Christian is supposed to be. All because they chose not to separate from the world. They were contaminated and they lost their usefulness. Now I know, look, I'm trying to preach this with the right spirit. I want to make sure we always do the will of God the way God would have us to, okay? But I know people, we don't want to hear about this thing of separation. Why? Because we're attached to it. We like fitting in. And when you don't preach on separation, you put a whole lot more bodies in the building. But I want you to think about this. Don't you love it when God gives you a little bit of a nugget? Not chicken. I'm talking about like a spiritual nugget. Some of you are like, yes, Chick-fil-A after the service tonight. I was sitting at the house this afternoon, got back from Brother Stone King's house, and I was sitting at the house for a few minutes before we came back to church, and I was thinking about how, how easy it is to put bodies in the building. It's easy to fill this building up if we want to fill this building up. But you know, our, our goal, look, if we don't preach on what thus saith the Lord, and we preach on things that sometimes are tough, like separation, look, we can put bodies in the building, but understand this, we're not putting any building in the bodies. That's our problem. We're, we, we're more interested in putting bodies in the building than building on the bodies that are here. The way that we're going to grow and become useful to God is understanding that the Bible teaches this principle of separation that we come out from the world not because of us and draw attention to us, but so that we can be used of God. And that's a choice that Noah made. You say, how do you know? Because verse 5, this Bible says the world was wicked. In verse 9, the Bible says that he was just. So number one, Noah chose to be separate. Number two, look at verse number 9. The Bible says these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. The Bible says, and perfect. And perfect. Boy, I've preached on that verse many times. We find that verse or that word in Job. The Bible says that Job was a perfect man. And we know the word perfect means several things. Listen close. It means complete. It means mature. But then it also means genuine. It means genuine. And I've, I don't know that I've ever preached on spiritual sincerity, but number two, I believe we'll see in verse number nine that Noah chose to be sincere. The Bible says he was perfect in his generations. doesn't mean he was without sin. It means he was sincere through and through. Okay, number two, Noah chose to be sincere. Listen, you cannot tonight... You cannot fulfill the will of God and be used of God and be chosen of God with a spirituality and a walk with God that is only skin deep. It's going to have to be through and through. When the Bible says that he was perfect, it means that's who Noah was all the way through. It means that Noah's life rang true. It was not just this facade that Noah put on. Now understand, folks, so often uh, we get into this habit where our service to God becomes more about what we do than who we are. Now let that sink in just for a moment, okay? 
our service to God becomes more about what we do than rather than who we are. This is my personal opinion, I'll tell you that. I believe we've lost an entire generation of fundamental Baptist young people because we taught them what to do before we taught them who to be. I believe that with all of my heart. I've watched them, and they knew what to say. They knew how to dress. They knew how to talk. They knew how to act. They knew how to do all of that, but it was not sincere. It was not who they were through and through. When they got out into the world, the facade would not hold up. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to serve God and serve God for very long, you better be sincere. It can't be just an act that you put on. It's got to be who you are. And what God was saying in verse number nine, Noah was who he was. Noah was the real deal. And this is God telling the testimony of him. I read this afternoon about the Liberty Bell. I've never seen it in person. One day I want to go see that. 1752, the Liberty Bell, or it would become known as the Liberty Bell in 1830. The Liberty Bell was brought to Philadelphia, Philadelphia Pennsylvania. And that's where the story gets kind of fuzzy. Talking about the crack in the Liberty Bell and how it got there and when it got there. But one of the stories that we're going to go with tonight, the best one that I could find, says when they did a test ring, the Liberty Bell cracked for the first time. They brought it, and it's a beautiful, ornate bell. It had all of these words around it and all these inscriptions around it. And they were very excited to have it. And when they rang it for the first time, it cracked. And then later they would ring it again, and the crack would go on up higher. And here's what they found. Inside the makeup of the metal of the bell, there were three materials, copper, zinc, and I believe it was, it was iron. And because the mixture was off, the bell cracked when it was put under the pressure of the ringing. You see, it was the integrity of the bell. On the outside, it was a beautiful bell. But man, when that bell went up to be used for the first time, it cracked. Why? Because it was not true through and through. It looked true on the outside. And when you tapped it, it probably sounded good. But when you put it to the test and you rang it, it cracked. Why? Because it was not perfect. It was not through and through solid. It was not sincere. And how often do we see Christian young people? Man, they look good. Some, they, they, they look good. They look sharp. They get out there in the world under real life spiritual conditions. And the first time their bell gets rung, they crack. Why? Because their service and their character was not sincere. It was not real through and through on the inside. Can I tell you something tonight, and I say this with all sincerity because we're on, all on this, this great big ship called Central Baptist Church together. God does not need servants who are going to crack up when their bell gets rung. God needs some servants. Listen, they're going to go out there and they're going to ring true. Why? Because they are who they were through and through. They're genuine. Folks, look, if we're not careful, we slip off into that slope that the Pharisees got on. Look, I I think you ought to dress right, talk right, act right, be right, but I think that'll be through and through. Well, the biggest thing, look, I believe, I'm going to give you another scary word, you ready? I believe in modesty. I'm not going to preach on it, don't run. I believe in modesty. But be careful preaching in exterior modesty. Because modesty is something that starts in here and overflows on the outside. Modesty starts in the heart. Look, somebody has an outward immodesty is because they have an inward immodesty. You see, we're not ringing true. If we want to help people and we want to help ourselves, we want to be used of God, we've got to choose to be sincere. Let's quit putting on a front. 
I told somebody the other day in the office, boy, just, number one, it breaks my heart. Number two, it aggravates me. You know, you can be angry and sin not. Okay, so I get aggravated about some things sometimes. It aggravates me to death when folks come to church and we put on this facade. We act like everything's okay. God knows it's not and he's the one that counts. The devil's been watching and he knows too. And as soon as our bell gets rung, we're going to crack. And do you know what the Liberty Bell serves as today? Just something to look at. The bell doesn't get rung anymore. It doesn't get used anymore. Why? Because of its integrity, its sincerity. It was not real through and through. Matthew 23, 37, Jesus told the Pharisees this. He says, you're outwardly righteous, but within you're full of iniquity. You're outwardly righteous. Man, that bell looks good on the outside, but on the inside, look, what's on the inside is not going to hold up when that bell gets rung for the first time. But then we see people like Job that God did use. Job chapter 1, the Bible says there was a man from the land of us. My wife says us. I say us. I think I say us. The Bible says, and that man was perfect. Now, who's speaking? God. I love the fact that God says, and that man was. It didn't say that man appeared. It didn't say that man sounded. It says that man was perfect, upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. God says that's who Job was through and through. And I want you to know, when Job's bell got rung, Job rang true. And oh, how God used Job. What do we talk about to this day? The patience of Peter. No. <laughs> nope. Patience of Job. Job rang true. Why did Job ring true? Because Job had chosen in his life to be sincere. The Bible says he was perfect. That means he was who he was through and through. Now, folks, tonight, if we can't choose sincerity, God's not going to use us. Because God looks down and God sees us and God says, I got a real problem and I need some real people. And our problem is he can't find very many real people. I mean, if everybody that's in this building tonight, if we would just be real with God, we'd turn Hattiesburg on its head. If we'd just be real. We got a problem. What's fessed up with? I got a problem. I'm not right. I'm not where I need to be. Oh, there's nothing like repentance and getting real. God used David. Why? The Bible says that when he dethroned Saul, God said this about David. He sought for a man after his own heart. Where's the heart at? The heart's inside. So I'm looking for somebody who's real and has my heart on the inside. You notice he didn't say a man after his own habits. Sometimes we develop good spiritual habits, nothing wrong with that. But sooner or later, those habits better be taken to heart. Look, we can, we can have all the spiritual habits in the world. You read your three chapters every day. You can read through the Bible in a year. You can read devotionals through in a year. And then you listen to good songs and you have good spiritual habits but habits are not going to hold up when your bell gets rung. You're going to have to be real and true through and through. And that's how God is going to decide whether he uses you or not. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. I'm going to hurry. Let's turn there real quick. Philippians chapter 1. That's how I keep you awake. Flipping with me. Philippians chapter 1. Look down verse number 9. Paul is about to give his prayer for the church at Philippi. Remember, we preached on this Sunday, or it was a Sunday night. He's writing this from prison. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. In this I pray, 
Paul's prayer for this church. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Look what he's praying for them. They may approve the things that are excellent, things that are excellent. They may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. If you'll notice in the middle of verse number 10, we see our word there, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Paul is not speaking of a kindness, sincerity. That's important. You ought to be kind, right? Kindness ought to be a hallmark of a Christian. What Paul's talking about is you might be real. Paul says we've got to be real, sincerity, without offense. Notice he helps define sincerity by saying without offense. That there's nothing that will be found in you. The word offense means cause to stumble. That there's nothing in your life that's going to cause you or people that you're leading to stumble. Paul says, I'm praying that you'll be real. God saw Noah. And God says, there's a real man right there. Because he was perfect. Now look at the last part and we'll be done. Verse 9, the Bible says, he was perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. Now, I don't know if God intended it this way, but I want to show you how this spoke to my heart, and it's within context, okay? I believe we see at the end of verse number 9 how Noah did the first two things. How did Noah separate himself? Look, we think it's hard not participating in the things the world participates in. We think it's hard being separate from the world. Just try to think about Noah's kids. About Noah's kids. I mean, all, every other kid on the planet was against his kids. Now, sometimes two or three kids pick on our kids, and we're like, oh. Every other kid on the planet was separated from Noah's kids. And yet, Noah was able to separate. Noah was able to be sincere. How did he do that? I believe it's at the end of verse number nine. I believe he did that because Noah walked with God. That's how he was able to do that. Number three, Noah chose to walk with God. If there's one thing tonight that I can tell you is a choice, it is walking with God. If you walk with God, it's going to be because you chose to walk with God. If you don't have a walk with God, it's because you're choosing not to have a walk with God. But I can tell you from personal experience that having a walk with God is a choice you have to make. There was a day just this week, I can't remember what day it was, had a late night, my alarm went off, it's time to get up and go walking with God. Beautiful weather. Cool outside. I mean, when the weather's right, it's even easier because I go outside to study, sit on my porch, watch the sun come up over the hill. It's just me and God until the world wakes up and ruins it all. School buses, dogs, and people going to work, you know. Clock went off earlier this week. I mean, I was tired, long night, didn't sleep very well. They told me my yard was going to get rolled. Somebody told me that. And so I thought it was one of these kids. I just knew it was one of our kids. Was it? Okay. They got all three of my neighbors. And I'm like, no, sir. Not at all. I've got too many non-lethal weapons in my house to discourage that. Paintball guns, BB guns, Nerf guns. We're going to scare them all. And laying there, this has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but it's a good story. I'm laying there in bed, and I hear, I hear it hit the roof. I said, toilet roll. 3 a.m., toilet roll. I go flying, flipping on all the lights in the house. I don't want to have to clean that stuff up. I mean, I don't like cleaning the yard, okay, especially when somebody else messes it up. Oh, just a pine cone fell off the roof. They haven't got my house yet. They haven't got my house yet, and it better not be God either. Clock went off about two hours later. Time to go walking with God. I'll tell you what I did. 
This is my alarm clock. I rolled over, snooze, went back to sleep. Next thing I know, my wife's waking me up. We got to go. We got to go. We overslept. And all. I was defending my fortress. Okay, that's why I slept in late. But I chose to snooze. I chose not to walk with God that morning. Got to the office and tried to make up for it. But man, it's just nothing like starting your day with God. Nothing like that. You see, my walk with God today, I didn't walk with God that morning. Why? I chose not to. Now, some of us are having trouble living a separated life. It's not easy. I'll tell you, it's not easy. Some of us are having trouble being sincere, being true, being genuine. Do you know why? Because we're not walking with God. Because watch this. If you're walking with God, here's the world, here's sin, here's wickedness. He's going to lead you that way, away from that. And if you're going to walk with him, he's not going to lead you back there. He's not going to lead you back into the world and wickedness and sin and to be like the world. No, no, no. He's going to lead you away from that. And the reason that Noah was separate and he was sincere is because verse 9 says, Noah walked with God. I fear tonight the reason so many of us are not serving, God doesn't use us like he could. We're not serving and we're not sincere. It's because who we are walking with does not lead to those things. If we walk with God, God's going to lead us to be separate. We walk with God, God's going to lead us to be sincere in our service where it glorifies him and him alone. But if we're not walking with God, well, then it's not going to lead to those things. We were in New York several years ago, and I've never ridden a subway before. And part of my checklist, my bucket list, was to ride the subway at New York. I've heard stories about it and wanted to go down in the subway. So we did. And so we're riding the subway, and I asked the man, I said, when do we get to the Statue of Liberty? And he says, well, this doesn't go to the Statue of Liberty. Now, I know it's on an island. Some of you are like, oh, no, I know that much, okay? But I just want to get close to it, right, and get on the boat. He says, well, this is the green line. I think it was the green line. The green line doesn't go to the Statue of Liberty. I said, what do you mean it doesn't go to the Statue of Liberty? Aren't y'all like on a big loop? Because I had it pictured in my head how I thought it was going to work. He says, no, no, the green line doesn't go there. It goes to Chinatown, and oh, my goodness. Did we have a good time down there? Christmas presents, like 90% off. It may have been hot. It may have been knockoff. I don't know, but it had the name brand on it still. I didn't get to where I thought I was going to get because I was not on a train that took me where I was wanting to go. Now, look, if we're not walking with God, you're on a train that's not going to take you to service, separation, or sincerity if you're not walking with God. You're on a train that's going to take you to heartache. And where you end up and what you end up having and what you end up doing is a direct result of who you traveled with. This is why Proverbs 13, 20, the Bible says, He that walketh with, key word, with wise men shall be what? Wise. Notice what you got because of who you walked with. You walk with wise men, you'll be wise. But the Bible says a companion of fools shall be destroyed So notice who you walk with has a direct result of where you end up and what you end up with. And the reason so often we don't end up having a separated life and a life of service is because we didn't do what Noah did in verse 9. We didn't walk with God. And I'll tell you this, and we're going to be done tonight. Walking with God means you go where he goes. Walking with God means you go where he goes. And we read in this book where he's leading us to go. And if you're going to walk with him, you got to go where he goes. Oftentimes, the disciples, he called them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And sometimes, Christ led them into some 
rough circumstances. Sometimes he's going to lead you into circumstances that are not necessarily what you would have chosen. Sometimes he's going to lead you to circumstances where you're on a boat and the wind's blowing and waves are everywhere. But can I tell you what comfort to know that you have Christ in your boat because you chose to walk with him. Can imagine what it was like to be in one of those other little ships the Bible talks about. I'll give you this scripture to take home. uh, Micah chapter 6. I did find Micah earlier, so that was a relief. Micah chapter 6, verse number 7. Listen close what the Bible tells us, how we please God. Micah chapter 6, verse number 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? But watch verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? So often we have verse 7 mentality. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give this, and I'm going to do this. God says, no, here's what I want. I want you to walk humbly with thy God. Folks, we want to be used of God tonight. We see Noah. Noah was a choice servant. Noah was a servant that God chose to do something wonderful and very rough circumstances. And boy, I'm like, well, it's, uh, it's kind of getting there in America. And God says, I'm looking for some people that I can use to do something for my glory. I'm looking for people who have lived justly. That means they have separated themselves from what society has deemed appropriate. People that will live sincerely, they are perfect. That means they are who they are all the way through. No pretenses. They're not putting on a facade. They are who I have called them to be. And then people who choose to walk with me. I assure you as time goes on and this world gets darker, you're going to want to desire a walk with God like you've never had before. It's like my daughter. She's gone hunting with me several times. And we got out there before daylight. Not hunting before daylight, but walking to the stand before daylight. Some of you's eyes lit up like, yeah, no, I don't hunt before daylight. But we get in there before. And we're walking through the woods. And Miley's holding my hand. And all of a sudden, one of those screech owls will let out one of those screeches. All of a sudden, I'll feel her squeeze tight and get closer and closer. Before long, she's near about on my back. Walking through the wood, I'm like, you've got to let daddy climb the ladder. Look, daddy's not as strong as he, he can't climb the ladder with, with you on his back. Man, it's getting dark. It's getting scary. She hears the screech owls, and she gets closer and closer to her dad. But folks, as this world gets darker and darker, I assure you having a close walk with your God is going to mean more to you than anything. And that way, when God goes to look for somebody to get the job done, look who's right there. Well, I'll just use him because he's right here beside me to begin with. God used Noah because Noah chose to be separate, Noah chose to be sincere, and then Noah chose to walk with God. And I pray tonight, if God has showed you a a lax in any of those areas, we'll take this invitation time to make sure we're a servant that God would want to choose like he chose Noah. Heads are bowed tonight and eyes are closed. Let's stop there.